Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Talking Consciousness podcast. I am Unfortunate Chemistry, and today I have Jason Glover on. He is a writer, a storyteller, and a poet, and he has recently got back from Peru, and he wants to share with us some experiences he had at an ayahuasca retreat. How's it going, Jason? I'm good. How are you, Caleb? I'm doing great. I feel very uh, excited to have this discussion, so we don't have to waste any time. You can jump right into it, man. So what, what led you to uh, wanting to go down to the jungle, and uh, what would you take away from it? Sure. I mean, that's um, a, a large question, I'm sure, as, as you know. Um, Oscar had been sort of on my the periphery of my radar for... 10 years, um, maybe, maybe longer, really, maybe more like 12 or 15, but, um, I'm 35 now. So twenties, you know, I got really into just reading about, um, psychedelics and kind of, um, and shamanism in general, just as a intellectual topic, Mm -hmm. you know, personal exploration into, uh, you know, mushrooms and, and things such as this. Um, I kind of felt like I had, you know, experienced enough and I kind of moved away from, from doing those things so much. I never, I had never experienced ayahuasca and it just kind of floated around as like this sort of enigma, uh, of, of a thing that maybe I would do someday or be to experience someday. I had read that it was very intense, um, you know, one of the more intense uh, experiences out there. I was honestly, I was just kind of afraid. Um, I was kind of scared of it. Um, getting to a very low point in life before the the suffering that I was experiencing in life outweighed my my fear of, of potentially checking out if ayahuasca was something that could be, could be helpful for me. Yeah. So that's, that's probably different than a lot of people go into the experience I'd say. Yeah. I mean, people come at it from all, you know, different levels of knowledge. It, it, you know, in terms of just the people I was on street with who, you know, had done more research than others. There are some people who just kind of heard, oh, maybe this was a was something that could help with um, or obviously there are people who are just kind of curious. Uh, but uh, but it seemed like commonality is that people had you know that they want to want to heal from, right. um, and people say you know you you can think what you want about it, but one of the common things that gets thrown around is sort of feel uh called to the to the medicine oh, I, that was, I know uh, yeah. the feeling i know the feeling um yeah so obviously it's a it's a it's sort of sounds out there until until you start to feel that but yeah and actually the last guest i had on the podcast we kind of got off on uh talking about that feeling of being cold um which is like, I, I grew up from a Christian background, and that's like a very common theme is like a call to 
you know, just some like higher level of being. So you maybe you're called to be a missionary in a third world country or you're called to help the homeless in your city, uh, which I never felt called to do those things. Those just kind of felt like, you know, if you if you have the op- opportunity to help somebody, you should take it pretty much always. If you ever have the means and there's the need, I kind of feel like you should fill the, you should fill in the gap there. But an actual feeling of being called, I felt that to psychedelics and and it came from it came from nowhere because I had never used a recreational drug in my life other than, you know, alcohol and not even very extensively with alcohol, but I'd never smoked weed, I'd never done anything. And all of a sudden, I had this overwhelming urge to try psychedelics and it literally came from nowhere. I wasn't consuming media that was based around it. Um, I, I don't know where it came from, but it, it gripped me. <laughs> so yeah, I know a lot, uh, I know a lot about that feeling of being cold. And we also kind of discussed in the last episode that, um, you know, you get other, other aspects of your life kind of sorted out. You know, you got your base level, uh, needs met your security and your, uh, just, you know, the different, uh, things that you're, you're going to need to, to navigate this life and that's that's kind of like when the calling emerges for you and um at least for me anyway that like calling to transcendence and deeper level of understanding of things no i mean i think it's true it's um you know with just that whole uh scenario like you're describing i mean once you get to a particular point and and there's still just this nagging I think that there is always this nagging underlying sense of um, just the existential, you know, like why yes, and, and the, you know, the self-actualization part of the pyramid, it's, mm. it's like, um, okay, I, you know, check the job box and I've, um, you know, done all the things that, hey, do these things and, and you'll be quote unquote, um, successful and yet there's this nagging sense of must be something that I'm missing right. um, and I think I think if you have I think a lot of you know like quote unquote seekers whether it's um, some other spiritual path or another that nagging you know need to know okay there there has to be missing there has to be something that's more lasting than you know these fleeting fleeting senses of um satisfaction that we get after completing some kind of a, a goal or another right something that it's, is just more than the material exactly i mean i think that you know it it really is the a call to you know, the, to the spiritual, I think, although that's a very, a broad term. Right. I will agree with you, but yeah, I, I understand not everybody <laughs> subscribes to that theory. No. And I mean, I, you know, I, I understand I was, um, you know, kind of as a materialist atheist, um, for a really long time. And in a sense, I still, you know, I still think I approach, sort of an atheistic um science loving sort of lens but um um 
I think that there's, um, there's just, you know, there's something ineffable that's, <laughs> that's there. That's a little bit past, uh, past any sort of language we could describe it. Unfortunately, that just doesn't end up being a satisfying verbal answer to the question, but it is a satisfying, um, experiential yes. when, when, uh, experienced firsthand. Right. It's like Terrence McKenna saying it just can't be Englished. <laughs> exactly. Okay. So then you found yourself in Peru. So what was that all like? Yeah. So, you know, um, really the the thing that drove me down there was I went through a, a divorce. That was really what had kind of um, gotten me to this sort of, I felt like I needed, needed um, help. And I just kind of made this pact to myself that if I was ever thinking that, um, you know, what did I have to lose, uh, you know, traveling alone to Peru to try uh, ayahuasca. So I, I found a sort of a um, tour group, um, you know, did a lot of research, looked at different um, centers. Um, and it was kind of hard to sort out first just trying to figure out, you know, the difference between a, a bad place to go versus someone just who had a experience with the medicine. Right. Um, and so eventually I found a, you know, found something that looked, um, looked like it would provide me um, with what I wanted, an authentic uh, Shipibo um you know, with uh, with with folks that had uh, you know traditionally grown up uh, around the medicine, and as well as something that would let me just explore Peru a little bit. Yeah. Um, and uh, yes, yeah, so I I found myself down there. At first, I kind of started my journey in um, uh, in the beginning of the this sort of um, tour that I was on, um, we started with a San, a San Pedro. That was kind of the first uh, medicine that I worked with down there, which was kind of a nice way to to ease into things, um, yeah. so to speak. That's very <laughs> fascinating. I, I, I've never heard of that. I've never heard of them doing a San Pedro experience first. <laughs> yeah, and, and it was interesting because some people um, that I was with, they had, um, they're in different legs of the tour. So some of the about half the group had already been to the ayahuasca center um, in the jungle. And then the, now they were in the sacred Valley and everything. And then the other half of us were kind of starting with San Pedro and people would say, well, you know, w which one's better. I don't know. There's the pros and cons to but the before and the after, but, right. um, but you know, that was my, it was interesting because for the half of us that hadn't done the ayahuasca yet, we were a little bit, still hand wavy maybe about um a little bit almost you know uh, subtly condescending toward the idea that there might actually be uh, in the plants um so you know they would say okay you're doing the san pedro now well, you know that that will be a connection that you have the spirit of that medicine mm. with you into the ayahuasca ceremonies and you know, I'd done, like I was saying, like psychedelics before and things, but I think one of the, for me, one of the big differences between the and 
other psychedelics I had done was just this feeling of um, it's to the to the medicine that you're in direct communion with. Right. That I hadn't experienced before, and so you know, he, hearing spirits and this and that, it's like okay, well. Sure, I, I understand that's the cultural perspective, but you know it's probably some quaint way of describing. And um, but you know I I don't really know how else to explain what happens. <laughs> so I, I'm fairly convinced at this point that you know that the, the aspect of the of the medicine is you know I mean plant spirit these are just words but it's there, there's something something there that's intelligent that's that's yeah it kind of like you to me you know that these these compounds the ones that are innately na- uh natural they all seem to have like their own intentions it's not like you you don't get to set the <laughs> set the mood of the experience they do well, exactly. And I think, um, I don't remember if this was another Terrence McKenna thing or we're talking about like invoking the, the mushrooms it was something you would talk about even with, um, with mushrooms. And it's something that, that I found now that I've, um, had this experience kind of in Peru where there's something that's being facilitated by, um, you know, by a shaman and you have sort of a guide through the, experience versus no one at the helm of the ship and you're just at a festival or right. um, something like this that for me the experiences are just kind of night and day and so um, you know since I've gotten back I've tried to incorporate that into the, the times that I've or even you know had friends do it trying to do it more in in ceremony and to create space to um, of the plant to you know to speak to you Mm. and 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 since having that intentionality around it i found that even um even with things before where i wasn't as tapped into that sort of presence very apparent where you know it's like oh they're they're the mushrooms (laughs) there they are you know right well i also think that you know your beliefs about them can kind of influence it and then having that experience with tradition and ceremony kind of uh helps you believe what they believe versus you know just trying to be rational about it yeah and i mean i think i don't know i mean one of the things this is sort of a tangent but one of the things that has happened as a result of um this sort of really deep spiritual awakening experience that i that I had with ayahuasca is I've become very interested in Buddhism in, in particular, but not, not just Buddhism, but I, I've just had like a newfound respect for sort of every physical, um, spiritual path. Right. Yeah. It's like in Buddhism, they talk a lot about like, Hey, well we can talk about these concepts and terminology, Buddhist terminology and cosmology in a theoretical sense, as much as we want, but there are still just, you know, fingers pointing at the moon. You know, the teachings aren't the moon; they're, they're just pointing at something. And I and I think, 
And I think the same holds true for if you want to have this sort of interpretation of talking about such. I mean, it's still just a, a conceptual terminology that we've uh, layered on top of some kind of deeper experiential reality. Right. And I think that that, you know, whether you're accessing it through psychedelic ceremony or, you know, some, um, you know, weeks and weeks of meditation or whatever it is, it's, it's all still pointing at the same aspect of the human experience, you know? Yes. Um, I mean, I, I agree with you there. I, I think, um, with, psychedelics and with meditation i'm a daily meditator uh i wasn't before psychedelics but that's something that it awoke in me and you're like you're uh searching inward and outward at the same time and <laughs> as hokey as it sounds it's kind of the same thing <laughs> no i mean it's the you know <laughs> in the sort of uh, more magical as above, so below <laughs> yeah, yeah, kind of thing that, that people like to say. But um, I think one of the things that's been hilarious to me is that hilarious to me in, in, in ceremony when, when the stuff just started to pour, you know, pour into my brain, like a cosmic people talk about like a cosmic knowledge dump or something like this as a, that people have but you know this um it's coming to me and it's sort of like the truth this core of the truth behind um like uh spiritual tradition just the whole you know the whole um archetypical kind of overarching myth that joseph campbell talks about the hero's journey and all of this stuff mm. and um because you know i mean people talk about like the idea of the cosmic joke and this but it's just sort of like you bash your head into a wall and sort of think you know like they're like we try to conquer sort of like every in every sort of like habitat that we could possibly live and we're looking up at the stars and we're thinking you know let's make it out there and perhaps we'll come into contact with some sort of and and then there's this opportunity to have this experience that feels almost like when, when you're these sort of entities in with ayahuasca or DMT and it's you know found through things like jungle chemistry that's been been in the Amazon for um, you know thousands of years right here on on planet Earth or it's found through like you were saying, turning inward, right? You sit and you refuse to move. I'm done with this, this game. You know, I'm just gonna stop playing it. Yeah, you just finally stop, and and then you find it. It's yeah. it's just hilarious. It is. I really like the idea of the cosmic joke. Um, I I noticed like. Life in general is more funny after these experiences because I can just see a lot of irony. <laughs> it is, it is. And it's also like, it's also a thing you have to be sort of, you know, because it's like 
degrees of of in terms of being able to have you know find such a concept uh you know if someone's in the in the thick someone's you know just to use a this example if someone's you know house just burnt down or something and and they're sitting there on the street and like oh possessions and all of these things in my whole life and you know you sure you could say well you know so so it goes <laughs> but half and and you know maybe if that person was able to access that that could be helpful to them but probably what they're wanting is like yeah that sucks i'm you know i'm sorry about that and so you know to just figure out like okay like just normal human empathy is 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 what is one in this situation versus in some sense someone maybe I was in, you know, it's like I'd had enough of that. I've, I'd, I'd sat there and I'd done the crying and I'd done the freaking out and I'd done the getting emotional support from people and I'd done the, you know, you know, I'd done all of those things. And for me, the lightheartedness of realizing, like, oh, I'm just taking all of this way too seriously. Right. That was that was really freeing and and nice. And so I I encourage. Um, I I I think it's a great a great realization, but you know, I have, I have had experiences. It's not, it's not the kind of thing that I think always you can just directly, you know, that's why I think there's a lot of stuff in, in, in culture and, you know, with, with comedy in particular that tries to point in, in kind of the more indirect way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the plant kind of told you like, uh, you didn't die. So what's so, what's, what's so bad here? <laughs> Yeah, you know, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's, but I mean, there's a couple of things that just kind of getting back, I guess, circling back to the um, the specifics of the ayahuasca experience. Kind of a couple different things happening. Um, one, one was very much a healing of, um, of you know, trauma that I, me, since. Um, since I was a, a kid, yeah, I was born with a, a cleft lip and had a lot of plastic surgeries growing up, and experienced a lot of uh, childhood bullying and you know my family situation, like a lot of people's, you know, pretty chaotic and you know divorce and all that, um, right. all that stuff. And um, I understood the sort of psychoanalysis of myself, like. A, how those things might have manifested as various mental health challenges, such as the the lifelong sort of depression that I with me, but in some sense, um, those early early childhood experiences are stored in the body and in the sort of the limbic system and the you know the physical memory of the of the body more so than in. Uh, this intellectual impression yeah it's it's crazy how psychedelics can show you stuff that you would think there's no reason for you to have remembered it or even any capacity to have remembered it it's it's wild <laughs> yeah, exactly and i think um i think for me like a, a a lot of also what made the ayahuasca experience unique was just the way i could sort of somatically king on that on that level of the the trauma locked in the body, and you know when I 
write about it, I talk about it as, you know, a quote unquote energy body. And, and really I only call it that because that's something that I think people that are working in more alternative healing modalities sort of, but I don't know what that, that means. I just know, I just know it's, it's a thing that you can feel and your trauma lives there, you know? Um, I think uh, a, a lot of what people experience on, um, seems to be, you know, focused around this level of like working with this trauma, um, you know, healing from, from PTSD and a lot of, a lot of folks in the armed forces have had, um, success with it on that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, for my first two, first two ceremonies, it was really just, Hey, getting acquainted to feeling that there's a, you know, an entity or a spirit inside of me, this telepathic exchange of me being like, you know, whoa, (laughs) what are you? What, what is this? And, you know, just mother ayahuasca sort of being like, you know, (laughs) like, yeah, like just kind of like, hi, you know, I'm here and like, yeah, I'm inside you. And like, I don't know what you were thinking this was going to be, but here's how it actually is. And, me just freaking out and you know just the first ceremony it was just like my jaws on the floor and i'm like i have so many questions like what you know what is happening um and then you know there's this moment when i first kind of started to get the the purging process where spirit you know feeling like the spirit was inside me sort of toying with my sort of um energetic body and sort of thing that was wrong with it um, sort of located in my abdomen and then somehow alerting again, all this seeming very telepathy, um, alerting the sort of, um, the shamans to it. And then there's three of them singing, you know, Icaros, the healing song. So they all seem to direct that on this spot and it triggered, a you know, purge. And so I get up and I, and I this ridiculous guttural, you know, deep, vomiting i've ever experienced and then and then it was very clear that whatever this sort of you know energetically damaged part of me was 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 no longer there and it was very clear to me that that was where i had been holding um all the grief uh related to my uh, divorce right ceremony it was just like how this idea that i was storing that part of gook energetic gook in this particular location in this sort of extra layer of 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 body that i didn't realize i had even access to experience right you know it was all just a lot to take in i was just like wow this is like a whole other world of 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 how to approach healing that i've only begun to, to even kind of understand um but I think for a lot of people, you could just, you know, you could just have probably ceremony and just work on that stuff, you know, and you could, you could, those things that need work and you could work on, on getting, getting rid of, um, thing that's no longer serving you and, um, work through, you know, visions of, of things that you need to confront in your life. Um, but I, I, I feel very fortunate in that um, 
after spending a, cu- a couple ceremonies kind of working through that, working through um, uh, trauma from when I was a baby around my cleft lip work felt, it felt like it, there wasn't a lot left to drag up. So then I had this opportunity to just kind of sort of just hang out and ask um, questions and things like that, which, which fun with. So, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I am. Um... I had a similar experience to your, your baby experience, um, where I had taken a very, very potent, uh, weed edible and I had also consumed, um, some, uh, lysergic acid amide. So not LSD, but LSA. Yeah. Yeah. And I had this, um, this like, there's these phases of going backwards in time. Uh, so I was having like five years ago memories, 10 years ago memories, but these are not, not, they weren't like important memories. They were just like everyday things that I, I shouldn't really remember, you know, um, 15 year old memories, 20 year old memories. Now I'm a little boy. And then all of a sudden I am seeing like a, a pinkish red fleshy colored uh casing all around me and i i feel um like being totally wrapped up but squeezed and i'm very anxious and um just <laughs> not not in a great headspace i'll tell you that uh it felt very um i don't know traumatic and I wasn't really sure what to make of it, but you know, the part of unpacking a trip and I was talking with my wife about it and about the experience. And she was like, well, it sounds like you were in the womb. And you know, I was actually uh, a premature baby. Uh, me, I was, mm. I'm a twin and we were both in the womb. Uh, we had to, we had to get out like eight weeks early or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, I I imagine there was trauma around that, but you wouldn't think that, you know, you're the, you could have memories back into the womb, but uh, you know, I I'm convinced that's what I saw. I'm convinced that's what I was experiencing. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't doubt it. It's just it's you know, I think um so much whether it's through uh memory or things that I think are sort of stored in the body and the amount of you know sensory data that you're getting at any given moment that you're filtering all out of your your conscious mind i think one of the things that experiences do is just you know open the floodgates to not only access to the subconscious direct access to the subconscious but to 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 all the normal uh, sensory inputs that you're getting all the time that are just too it's just too much normally for your conscious mind to to handle. Right. And I think um, you know I after getting back and and picking up daily meditation practice and and having a two week long you know the opportunity about a year ago almost now to to do a two week. Um, retreat and now i'm getting getting ready to do uh, to double up and do it do a month and try that but i was i was able to get to 
um, get to, to touch into states that I had only ever been able to touch into uh, with psychedelics. And I think one of the handy things about doing it that way is it's just a little, it can be a little stickier. Um, some, sometimes it can be a little easier, easier to recall yeah, you can, the experiences. Uh, especially depending on how intense of an experience, how big of a dose of any given psychedelic, you can kind of get amnesia from the whole thing sometimes. Um, t- it could take weeks to start getting these memories, and then sometimes you have to wonder, you know, how accurate are the memories of the experience, and have you um, has the waking consciousness uh, filtered your experience through a reality based lens. And maybe it wasn't like that at all. Maybe it was transcendent, but you just can't understand it. You can't English it. So now, (laughs) now you're remembering it in more tangible everyday ways. That's something I often think about, like how much of these experiences are altered by our perceptions. Completely. Yeah. I mean, I think even, again, just going back to relating the kind of the psychedelic experience to meditative path, but I think it's one of the things that happens um, or sitting a lot in meditation and then you start to have experiences of sort of, um, you know, insight into uh, called the three, the three marks or the three character- characteristics of um, impermanent suffering and, and non-self, but particularly the non, the non-self when you sort of, uh, conceptual filter of your, um, you know, selfing all the time, you're, you know, selfing. And then in, you know, you have it, the English self, so you're English selfing and all that you have this experience that just has so much more depth than that can ever and and the second you you start trying to capture it, like you said, you, then your culture is is coming into play. So you're now taking this experience and you're filtering it through your English, this Americanized, you know, self, and and then then you retell the story. Further, some at that sort of memory of the of the retelling of the story more so than the actual experience. And then before long, you're thinking, oh, I better, I better go back and, and touch into this experience again. Cause I'm, <laughs> cause I'm starting to lose touch with it. Every time, uh, I do a psychedelic, um, <laughs> I have this feeling like, so afterwards, like I think about it a lot, you know, especially immediately after. And I think I know what happened. And there's this moment, like, you know, right after, uh, the come up really starts to, to take hold. And every, mm-hmm. every single time I have this overwhelming, like, happy sensation big smile on my face and i'm just thinking oh this is what it is now i remember and it's like like you only really remember it when you're in there and it does it feels it feels so familiar but yeah you can think you remember or you can you can think you know what that sensation's like in the sober state but like it's at least for me personally what i think i know it and how i Remember, it isn't anywhere close to what it's actually like. Yeah. No, I mean, I definitely, I can relate to that. Um, actually, um, I definitely have had those um, those moments of just 
you know, and, and, and it's just, it's just so hard to, um, the things that, that I should say about this is, you know, there is this aspect of it, right? There's this aspect of this sort of the existential quality of, okay, cool. Like I got it. I understand the answer to the questions that I've been asking. And then you kind of get out and you sort of lose touch with that a little bit. You know, the healing, the, the healing that's provided, especially by um, ayahuasca, but now, you know, like more and more people using um, mushrooms therapeutically and things like this. Like, even if you can't, just because you and I right now access the language to explain this and, and the sen- sensations that we remember are a little bit more vague than they were when we were in it, you know, the healing that we can take with us, that is, is very real and Last. Or for me, anyway, very real and, and lasting. Yeah. yeah. So even so, the, the the good thing is you can get the benefits without with without being a poet or without without trying to you know nail it precisely with the explaining to other people exactly what happened to you. Yeah, I mean, it's the explanation isn't isn't the benefit, but I don't know. I just feel like a lot most people are probably going to just feel compelled to want to talk about these experiences. Oh yeah, because it's, yeah, because it's like. It's transformative and it's so very real. I mean, it's almost the realest thing you've ever felt. <laughs> Having like all of your senses combine into, you know, that synthesia or whatever you want, whatever that's called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything just going into one and it's it's like pure experience or I don't know if I'm making any sense, but that's just, I don't know. It just feels so real. <laughs> it makes certain other... Uh, sensations feel lacking wanting oh completely and and it's one of the things that i explain have tried to explain a lot upon returning to to folks because it's like okay like i'm i'm very a a very um sort of science-minded material like i you know like okay i'll consider that but i really want to see the see the proof um, before I full on will being sort of uh, fact. And, you know, I went into the experience thinking, okay, maybe there's a tiny chance that into this idea of like there being an intelligence in this, in this compound, or maybe there's some tiny truth to the fact that through doing, you know, through, a, a ceremony where I'm consuming something with DMT in it, maybe I'm going to open myself up to sort of quote unquote other realms or whatever. Right. Um, it, I can't say with a hundred percent certainty that those things are true. You know, I, I took a very convincing psychedelic compound. It could just be did experience that tells me nothing about ultimate reality. However, like you were saying, it felt when it was happening, like the realist, I had ever experienced in my life. So when it, when I got back and people are saying, well, how do you know it's not just in your head? It's sort of like, well, I don't know. It feels equally as real, if not more real. <laughs> Anything I'd ever experienced up until this point. So it'd be like saying, you know, like, well, like I just took a vacation to Spain and it's like, yes, it's like, well, how do you know that it, that entire journey just wasn't in your mind? It's like, well, but, take the plane. You can take the plane to Spain too, and you can report back and tell me if you think I'm crazy. Right, right. 
It's like, yeah, there's you. You felt your butt on the seat of the plane, and you, you know, you you remember riding the donkey down the mountain, and yeah, I mean, it's all there. Yeah, it's, I mean, yeah, yeah, the physical and just the sensations is what makes something real, right? So, I mean, if you felt it and you experienced it, I mean, I think personal experience is is huge. I think that's. I mean, it's it's real to me. I don't care. Whatever. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's real to me. You <laughs> you can tell me it was all hallucinations, but it felt more real than this conversation I'm having. <laughs> well, I can't I can't tell you too how freeing it is when I so I was at one of the things I've become I've become very passionate just about not just like Buddhism and sort of meditation, sort of um, you could call it, but um. But you know, there's a lot of a lot of people doing really great kind of like community and and healing work. Yeah. And I've been, you know, I've just been finding myself in places that sort of collect. You know, there's a strong overlap, I think, of people that are interested in that kind of work and people who are interested in psychedelics and things like this. Yes. For how freeing it is when you can sort of stop the the pre- pretending and saying and trying to always cater to everyone's disbelief. Right. And you can just talk to someone else who's had the experiences and you go, you know, it's the wink and the nod thing. And you can just go, yeah, you, yeah. you touched into this too, right? Like, yeah, okay, cool. We're not crazy. Like, yeah, let's. <laughs> right. That's kind of what this podcast is. It's just like a reminder to myself that I'm not insane. <laughs> Wait, you, you experienced this too? Okay. Okay. Well, okay. I, I can stop scratching my beard now. Yeah. Yeah, one of the um, so I didn't uh, I didn't talk about this in my article that I wrote about the ayahuasca experience, just because you know uh, brevity in that. But um, when I was down there, I also had the opportunity to do five meo DMT. Oh, baby! <laughs> and and that I I mean, whatever tiny bit of me like may, after the first two, it was it was between. Um, my four ceremonies. So I had my two ayahuasca ceremonies, the five MEO DMT, and then the two more um, ayahuasca ceremonies. Remnant of after the first two ayahuasca ceremonies of, of tiny self-destructive wish I might've had for myself of capacity to participate in self-harm. Like after the, the five MEO DMT experience is just the most beautiful experience i've ever i mean i literally just like left my body went to heaven it was like how people describe near-death experiences you know and yes and just everything in i had ever experienced in my entire life had meaning praying i ever had 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 felt like it was the right thing to have had happen no, if like i had come no go ahead the five meo it would be much harder for you to explain anything of correct <laughs> it's not an experience I've had, and I'm not really afraid of any psychedelic compound except for that one. I just because it feels like you know shattering the the window. It's definitely. I mean, it's definitely a complete. It's definitely a complete surrendering. It's definitely a complete. Post like everything, there's probably varying levels of depth, but I think the the experience people are going for with it is a is a complete sort of surrendering of yeah of, you know complete ego ego death experience right. um but you know it's unlike some other you know i've had disassociative experiences with 
salvia and things like that, but, um, you know, nit- nitrous to some degree, but, um, I mean, it's just so like people say, it just takes you straight to God. It takes you to the, to the light. It takes you to the union with source or whatever words people want to use to describe this sort of almost experience of full, full enlightenment or something. It's just sort of like all the light bulbs go off. It's getting shot in the head with a million epiphany guns. Wow. And, you know, I was just crying tears of joy, you know, for hours after this experience, I was just thinking, Oh my God, I can't believe I ever even thought about killing myself. Like I could, I could never imagine doing it, doing something that unkind to, cause it's like, I'm a human being too. Like it just, it just equated as if I would have killed someone else, you know, like it was like that heavy of a, because what's the difference? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's like such a, a, to, to do that to yourself is such a, and trust me, I'm not harping on people that want, you know, that, that pull the eject button by, by any means. It, life is hard, but yes. that moment, it just became very clear. Oh, I could never do that. Like I could, I, Jesus, what was I thinking? You know? Right. Right. So in that sense, it just, whatever was left in there, I just kind of like threw my face all the way into sort of like the divine nature of things. And, and it was like, okay, shit, sort it out, you know? And then really that was what, that feeling of completely leaving my body and going to this sort of heavenly realm and having this experience of what I can only describe to be as nirvana. Like when I came back, I'm just sort of like, oh, that's what nirvana is. Right. Like, like now I get kind of what Buddhism is pointing at. And I didn't know a ton about Buddhism. I just knew a little, but just um, based on what little I knew, I was like, oh, that best best describes like experience was pointing to. And so that's kind of, you know, really uh, what, what threw me head first until starting to learn uh, more about that um, spiritual practice. And, and and making me believe, you know, that like sitting on my ass and doing nothing for two weeks might be worthwhile endeavor. Up until that point, I, I, you know, one of the reasons I probably was drawn to psychedelics was just a lack of patience. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That also goes back to the Terrence McKenna thing. It's like uh, taking the long way, you know, through meditation or whatever. It's like, but yeah, you know, why would you take all that time? Like the fairy's a nickel, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of, I mean, you know, there's something to like earning it. It's like, I know that the, that and getting to a particular place just uh, you know with the meditation it's like okay like this is it it is helpful right but at the same time you know like not everyone's in a place in life where they can spend two weeks you know I, i'm fortunate enough where i have a job where i can get two weeks of paid people are just trying to survive you know um yes. and and some people and and i don't know as if i could have done that had i still been dealing with all of that right that i had in there before so i think the healing of trauma and for giving people a sense of what what some of these paths could could provide, um, you know, giving them that that glimpse is is very helpful. And then I think some of it, some of this looking down upon the psychedelic experience um, by folks that have really committed to the sort of get there through complete sobriety and the and the Buddhist path, I think, is 
sort of twofold. One one is just kind of rooted in a lack of understanding of the sort of more um, animistic, uh, shamanistic, cultural containers for these things. And these are sacraments. They're not, you know, inebriating drugs. Exactly. Um, And then also the second thing is just, it's just people are taking it personally. It's like, well, I've saying that you had this experience because you smoked the excretion of a toad. Right. I had a I had a sit listening to this like you know tell me riddles for <laughs> for like a year before like I even started to get it. It's like well, you know. Um I so I I don't think there's anything wrong with meditation and I don't think one is better one path is better than the other. And oh yeah, no. I I certainly think like if you meditate, you don't have to take psychedelics. It's a personal choice. But I think if you if you do take psychedelics, I think you should try meditation if you haven't because you don't really have much to lose. <laughs> um, yeah. But um, first, a couple, just a couple of things I would like to mention. Like, so with my current responsibilities, you know, I have two kids and stuff. I couldn't see myself going anywhere for two weeks to meditate. Um, not that there's anything wrong with that. But I, I will also say that I've had some pretty profound meditation sessions just uh, where I meditate daily. Um, so I've had, uh, uh, I don't know if you would call it like the the hypnagogic state or I'm not really sure what it was. But I've had a few visionary meditation sessions. Most of them aren't this way. Most of them are more just like a relaxing um Ease, ease of the mind, release some stress. But in a particularly short session, um, and I had actually I had just gotten out of therapy, so I was I had an hour long therapy session, and I was I was pretty anxious, and I had something coming or going on at home that I wasn't uh, excited about getting home and getting back into. Uh, and my therapist said, "Well, why don't you meditate in your car in the parking lot and try to." Uh, clear your mind before you have to get yourself into that situation. And I was like, yeah, that's a good idea. Now, I normally meditate daily um, for 20 minutes, and I, I usually do it at my lunch break at work. But uh, this session, I just wanted to do a quick one. I set a timer for 10 minutes, and I, did, I didn't make it through the 10 minutes. Um, I had this, like, super vivid imagery Um so I saw, like, my eyes were closed. I saw uh, some, like, red, like, silk curtains. And I slowly moved towards them, and they whipped open. And then there was another set. And I got closer to them, and then they whipped open. And I kept – this continued, but I was picking up speed. And more and more doorways I was going – there were just more doorways I was going through. These curtains were just flying. Um and this went on for a moment. I mean, just a, just constantly accelerating until I got to this <laughs> very strange uh, experience. The last curtains opened, and the eye of Horus uh, was was sitting there. It was floating in front of me, uh, emanating gold light. Before this, I was not into Egypt at all. But I've done I've done a lot of studying of Egypt since then because I I didn't know what the heck to make of this uh, situation. Um, cause you know, maybe it didn't have anything to do with, uh, Egypt. Uh, I kind of, I kind of now in retrospect, I 
think it might have had like something to do with just like an opening of my third eye, you know, the pineal gland. Uh, that's what like the eye of Horus is, you know, uh, modeled after or whatever. But that was a, I, I mean, this was a as real of a vision as me looking out, out my window and seeing a tree. I mean, it was very real, mm. and this was totally sober. Um, there was no, there, I didn't, I hadn't consumed anything. There was nothing in my system, and I had like a visionary state. And I've had a couple more since then, um, and I don't really know what to make of that. But I am definitely saying that <laughs> uh, <laughs> your mind can do some crazy things, and uh, meditation is more than just sitting in silence and turning off the world. So, like, yeah, I would recommend any. Any psychonauts out there to consider exploring it? It's very fascinating. Yeah, I definitely, um, definitely second that. And I think, you know, I think the two things complement each other very nicely. Um, I think if you have experience sort of navigating uh, states on psychedelics and you have sort of experiences with that sort of type of awareness, then yeah, you have an ex a visionary experience like the one that you described uh, while meditating, and that's gonna hasn't uh, done psychedelics. They might have their first time having an experience like that meditating and think that they've lost their mind. Right. You know, they might that might that might really freak someone out. And so you're a little bit more more familiar with the sort of uh, what you're aiming for in terms of um, awareness and sort of states of awareness. Right. Um. And at the same time, if you have it, that experience with being able to stabilize your mind and stay, you know, um, to develop concentration and to stay with the with the breath or whatever meditation object while uh, negative or unpleasant emotional states are sort of passing by, like weather, and you're and you're building that sort of equanimity uh, muscle. Then next time you have a challenging psychedelic experience, you know, you're going to find yourself in a lot calmer place and, and more able to hold um, and, and just breathe through and surrender to a lot of the, you know, the, um, you know, some of the strongest healing, healing work that's done even with, with mushrooms or with ayahuasca can be very physically uncomfortable, um, right. you know, and so to, to have that ability to sort of stay centered that can be can be very helpful you find yourself just not nearly as worried as you were before about like oh what happens if i have a bad trip you know you just kind of feel well you know those are just uh, more sensations right. <laughs> i've i've sat through some sensations before you know yeah i and i i i've just talked to somebody on reddit the other day where they were uh you know it was a meme about um taking a xanax if you're having a bad trip and I got on there and basically said that I wouldn't do that. Um, and I got some flack for that. But, sure, if you need to bail on a trip, I think it needs to be for more than you're having a challenging trip. I think if you're – if, like, someone's getting, like, belligerent and being violent or physical, then that might be a, a reason to bail on a trip. But I think if you, if you um, abort – a trip just because it's getting challenging or dark, I think you're going to lose out on most of the growth that you're going to get from that trip. Because the happy parts of a trip, um, 
while they can be enlightening and they can be very you know pleasurable euphoric i don't think you learn as much from that um it's kind of like the uh you know just facing something scary and bigger than yourself uh and coming out on the other side of that intact i think is a huge tool for growth and it's it strengthens you it makes you more courageous and um I think you you just really need to uh, think about that that decision of you know bailing on a trip because you might be cutting yourself short. Oh, I mean, I think it's true. It's like you've you've uh, you know opened the hood and you've taken out the engine, and then thing maybe that you don't like if you just if you just quickly put the car back together and don't do you know don't do anything with what you confronted. Of like. Yeah, I mean, you're not you're not really getting the best the best work done that way by any means. And I think that's another funny, you know, pe- people think uh, you just <clears throat> you know you're just looking for cuts um, or whatever. It's not real, sort of. You know, there's just like in, like some people can get their chosen um, spiritual path being you know more va- more valid than than others. But I think you know, it just brings up a good point in that whether it's, whether it's meditation or whether it's like, it's like, this is not always pleasant. It's, it's easy to think about, um, you know, okay, it's just, I'm just going to take this and then I'm going to be better. But you're leaving out that whole part of the story where you did have to go and confront, you know, some, some, uh, skeletons in your closet or whatever. And, and so maybe you're doing a lot of really, really intense and trying emotional labor, but it's just really compacted into a, you know, eight hour time span. Right. Maybe you're, you know, there are times where you can sit there on the meditation cushion on, on retreat and, and all of a sudden, you know, it feels like breaking apart and some really unpleasant physical sensations can start to happen. And, it's the same thing. It'll be like you finally feel safe, so there's something in your body that's being released and processed and dealt with. And the more that you can sit there and, and, and breathe through the discomfort, the more you can give whatever that wound is a, you know, a chance to heal. And that's really where the, the work is, I think, is. Yeah. And is being able, to, be, being able to be with that, you know. Yeah, because if you, if you run away from that, you know, like especially meditation, it would be easier to run away from that when you start having negative feelings to just, mm-hmm. just get up and say, okay, I'm not doing this. Sure, sure. Um, running away from that is going to do the opposite of make you more courageous. And then when I think when even less challenging things appear in your life, you're going to have less of a tolerance to it. You're not going to be able to handle it. I think you have to, you know, you need to face these experiences head on if you if you can and if you can't i mean it, it it's probably just not for you i i don't know if i would dip my toes in that environment anymore if it's something you feel the need to run away from and meditation is there's i don't see meditation as recreational at all but a lot of people think psychedelics can be used recreational and um I mean, like people using them at festivals uh so <laughs> that that's a really I think it's a really good example of people thinking that it's recreational and a lot of people will go in there with that mindset of like you know I'm at a festival I'm listening to music I'm dancing I'm taking this drug and well everything's great but 
even even in a festival setting, I don't think psychedelics are recreational. I think music is extremely spiritual. Psychedelics, oh, yeah. psychedelics connect you to the spiritual realm. If you are taking a psychedelic at a music festival, it, I feel like that should just be heightening your spiritual experience. You're not you're not doing this purely for recreation. Um, so, like. I, I just don't think like you should ever have this concept that wow this is just going to be fun. I before you drop you know uh, anything any psychedelic compound I don't think you should be in that mindset of like wow this here comes uh, you know eight hours of of fun and or of pleasure of pure re- recreation. Um, and another thing is I hear from people. Uh, they call it, you know, uh, escapism, and like you're trying to get away from, you know, the problems in life. It's like, huh, uh, I don't think you know where I'm going. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, there might be parts of it that are better than my everyday life, but there are st- some stuff I have to confront that is way harder than anything I've ever faced in the real world or the material world. Um, so yeah, I might be escaping, uh, you know, one. Uh, negative emotion, but I might be confronting some some much deeper and larger monsters. So no, for sure. I mean, when you talk about when you talk about escapism, what people are trying to escape is 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 themselves, you know, and they're they want to break from their sort of you know the churn of their minds and their neuroses, and right. So you know, you think of escapism, and you think, okay, I'm gonna cocktails on the beach or I'm going to, you know, do shopping therapy or whatever. And I'm going to get a dopamine hit and I'm going to avoid think I'm going to conk myself out. And, and this is the, you know, psychedelics are the, are the antithesis of that. I mean, absolutely. You, you, you are forced into yourself. You know, you have, there's not, if there's any part of yourself that you are avoiding, like it's going to find a way to come out. Yeah. And so, so I don't, it, it's the least escapist thing I could think of to right, do. Right, right, yeah. If I, and I, you know, I have the drive to, to engage in escapism from some time, time to time, you know, that's what Netflix is for, so. Right. And, you know, on that note, I didn't plan on talking about this, but I just recently discovered that uh, television was causing most of my misery. So I've been in therapy, uh, like, Literally the week after um, I started getting into psychedelics, they kind of surfaced some shit. <laughs> and mm. I was like, you know what? I I probably would be better off not doing this alone. And I'm, therapy's not for everybody, but uh, it has been greatly helpful for me. Because um, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm intelligent in some ways, but my – like – my own emotional whatever uh, navigating that kind of stuff was never easy for me. It's not it's not a skill set I was given at birth, and it definitely wasn't anything taught in my household. So it is therapy has been hugely impactful for me, um, and I have some obsessive compuls- compulsions, uh, not like you know ticks with numbers and you know cleanliness and stuff like that, but I just obsess over things, and I mean. <laughs> I mean, this psychedelic thing is kind of one of those things, but um, I get so wrapped up in stuff, and um, I just—I mean, this this just happened two weeks ago. I realized, like, my wife got a job, and 
so she's been out of the house at night and I've had I've had to be more responsible than I used to be and I used to watch more TV and like that first week of her being at work and me not watching TV because there's other things I have to attend to I like I was so busy and I wasn't getting to do that one thing that I love to do which was watch you know binge watch shows yet I was in like way happier uh and I'm not saying that, like, this isn't a prescription to anybody else, but for me personally, um, getting caught up in television series was like a personal hell, and I didn't even realize it. I thought I was being entertained, and I was actually suffering. I mean, I, I had something like 10 shows that we've been watching, like, at the same time. Uh, trying to keep up with that, it's crazy. <laughs> it's so crazy, and it's absolutely escapism, because you're not in your head. You're... You're projecting yourself into, you know, another world, another life. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely something that I've been of, um, since getting back from Peru in terms of just, not just to the extent that I'm engaged in escapism through means that are accepted in our culture, such as, as TV and just monitoring that, but what am I, like, what media am I ingesting? Right. Just you, it really becomes clear. Like, is checking, you know, political articles like nonstop, is that helping anything, or is that just causing me needless suffering? I mean, like, yeah, being informed is 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 worthwhile to some degree, but, eh. I, <laughs> you know, to what point? <laughs> yeah, I uh, I think that one was a little bit more obvious to me than the television because the television mm-hmm. just seemed like it was pure fun. Uh, I mean, it took me a long time to realize that I had to stop consuming news media, but that also was a huge uh, mood lift for me. I didn't realize I got so caught up in politics, and I, I thought I loved, you know, arguing with people, trying to make people, you know, uh, yeah, like I'm going to teach somebody something, <laughs> and and I keep hearing this on other podcasts and stuff. I just don't think we are supposed to to know what's going on for. You know, 10 billion people. It's just not right. It's not, our minds aren't supposed to grapple with that. We were meant, we're social creatures, but we were meant to live in a community. And community could be something very small, like five tenths, uh, five uh, small teepees around a campfire. That might be the size of a community. And maybe that's all that our minds should be concerned with, is that many people. And knowing you know what every problem that goes on not only in my country but in the world is is not beneficial to me i don't gain anything from that maybe i could talk, i could talk to somebody else about it but then all i'm doing is making them miserable too <laughs> yeah and it's also you know the things that you have i mean again uh, you know it's easy to talk about these things and people think that you're saying things that you're not like i'm not saying not disparaging you if you think uh, you know, being to a particular level of engaged with politics or, or or activism is worthwhile, then by all means do it. But I think you have to pay really close attention to that. Like I used to get, I was heavily involved in activism and I think almost all of it was ego-driven when I, when I, but, and I think what you're talking about, which is just paying more attention to your, you know, your day-to-day interactions with your community and paying attention to yourself, um, you know, your realization that, okay, hey, I need to curb my, my TV intake. 
you know, you're just a lot more effective as a human being and as a compassionate human being to be a force for good in the world when you've taken care of your, your, your own skeletons. Right. Um, to have the capacity to just be like truly present and connected, connecting with people and, you know, you're able to just be a, a, a tiny bright thing in, in, in someone's day and, you know, maybe that's not a satisfying answer for a lot of people because I don't get how we're going to grow capitalism and stop climate change w- with that. Cause, but but I do have a faith. I have a faith that it's only through people kind of uh, starting within oh, yeah. and, and transforming themselves that the world is transformed. I mean, the s- society in the world emerges from uh, all of these billions of human beings doing doing little things and so we just have to do a, a lot of different little things right everybody being becoming a little bit better uh becoming a little bit more enlightened on their own terms and not you know being forced into anything by anyone else everybody collectively doing that would would change the world <laughs> i think it's um i think especially in america the political system is so caught up in like well we have to make them see you know and i've got to change them i got to change your mind but uh you got to start with yourself you got to change your mind it's not i've i've got to change my mind <laughs> because um trying to force things on other people that's not compassionate and uh we need more compassion and empathy i think to further um uh, this process of uh, peace and I think being you know compassionate and having empathy would also solve problems like climate change because you know if if we're being compassionate to ourselves maybe we decide that we want to have clean oceans and we want to have breathable air <laughs> that's compassionate like here's a gift from me to you and to me I'm not gonna uh, continue polluting at a crazy rate to where it's not going to be sustainable. Totally. And I think, you know, I, I mean, I, I was, I was right there trying to, I was the most, you know, um, the time on social media, curmudgingly atheist type telling all of the, you know, telling everyone they were wrong about everything all the time. And, you know, of course they still have my opinions, but they're just mm-hmm. my opinions, you know, and there, and you know, there's certain matters that are settled by science, but, Ever gonna by by you know telling someone hey believe this thing or here's this fact you know it's just not how people work like no, that's not how people come to their worldview and it's not to anyone it just kind of you know it feels bad for me to engage in that kind of you know sometimes I'll get riled up and I'll I'll have a little political discourse and I and I just end up you know leaving the situation going why did I do that you know that's not yeah how I want to show up. And I can't presume to know. I can only advocate that have worked for me, and and if if people find those things helpful and want to, you know, integrate them into their life, fine. If, if someone is completely opposed to the idea of ever touching psychedelics or ever doing meditation or anything like that, that's fine too. I think the the biggest thing that would help more than anything is if people were just more in touch with themselves and their needs and able to. Um, able to communicate that effectively and able to we know oh this decision i'm making is unhealthy for me 
oh, this decision I'm making is healthy for me. If you have that, when you're talking about things earlier, you know, about challenging experiences on psychedelics and stuff, another thing I think it's always important to make clear is like, don't, should work on your capacity to face challenges. You also can't, you know, if you push yourself too far, you, you run the risk of doing yourself a person that can know where what they call the you know the growth edge is where you can you're kind of the right level of uncomfortable just uncomfortable enough to grow but not so uncomfortable you're doing yourself trauma yeah post that for yourself like i can't tell you where that place is for you you know right well i mean it's i don't know i i've you always hear stories about people going too far in psychedelics um but I've never met one of those people. I'm sure they exist. Like uh, Hannibal Morris says he had a friend who lost his mind from, from taking psychedelics. But my most challenging trip, like two to three days afterwards, I was feeling traumatized by it. But I hadn't integrated yet. I, I mean, I really felt traumatized by it. Life was very dark for a couple of days. But through the process of just contemplating what I saw and what it meant and integrating that into my life, it became beautiful and it's not a negative experience anymore. But I mean, immediately it was, it was horrific what I saw in, in the moment. And then afterwards I was traumatized, but I, I think I was able to work through that trauma. I think, I think we have a capacity to work through a lot more than we think we can. Oh, no, it's, I think it's definitely true. Um, and I think, you know, and it, it's just, you know, everyone's ready for a certain level of, of, I think, challenge. I think it's good to, like, push yourself a little bit, you know, a little bit past that. Basically, don't jump into five grams, lemon text. I mean, I mean, you, you, you can. <laughs> I, I'm not saying you can't. It's You're, just, you know, maybe just, start just with a easy two grams and yeah maybe you know it's maybe not the 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 wisest course of action but who knows it could also be exactly what you need so it's it's, um but you know i think one of the things that's been nice for me coming from a place of where i was really languishing in chronic depression for so long in all these narratives of sort of like I'm the, you know, the victim of all of these external forces. I'm the victim of this kind of uh, religious upbringing that kind of, you know, put the sense of shame into me or I'm a victim of like this broken home stuff or whatever I'm uncovering in therapy. And this has really removed the sense of like victimhood for me. And and again, it's a touchy subject because obviously there clearly are victims in situations and it's not it's like the first thing that when something bad happens isn't to find the reason why you deserved a fault or that and that's not what i'm saying but what i am saying is that it's been very freeing for me to realize just how much more capacity i have to be present with things that before would have freaked me out or or i would have thought like oh no like this is gonna you know hurt too much to uh, expose myself to um, right. And to realize, like, oh wow, I'm a, I'm a actually like a lot more tenacious um, and courageous than I gave myself. Um, you know, it's it's really just enabled me to feel more at peace with, like, okay, like I'm kind of ready for what life might throw my way next. You know, right? Yeah, yeah. I think 
just in the day-to-day, those challenging experiences have helped me to just be more present in the moment. Uh, definitely helps me enjoy what I'm doing more. Um, especially ego death experiences. I think like, although they're they're fascinating, uh, I I do enjoy my ego, and I'm very grateful to have something called an ego. And I don't want it to be you know overblown, and I don't want to you know have like, uh, like a ego worship kind of mentality, but. Every, I mean, it, it it does good things for me, and uh, I just having had that experience of ego death, I feel like has helped um, me appreciate all the things the ego does, and and help it, it, that helps you be present. It makes every moment feel more meaningful. Um, yeah, I mean, I think um, I don't know if you if you followed any of this. Um, like the Jim Carrey stuff at all. Yeah, yeah. You know, that was kind of an interesting, it's interesting once you've gone through some of this, like this, some of these kind of spiritual awakening experiences, and then you sort of see going through similar things, it's clear, but then but everyone in the media is like, okay, this person's crazy. Like what, right. <laughs> what has happened? And you're just kind of like, no, I think that they're like, they're like seeing the truth, like actually. Yeah. Um. So like, like when I hear Jim Carrey talk now, I'm just kind of like, oh yeah, okay, this guy, this guy gets it. Yeah. And I um, just feel like, uh, like me and you, we have uh, incorporated it into our ego, and we still operate under you know the normal, uh, accepted reality. Whereas Jim Carrey has been like, no, I've experienced this this lack of an ego. And I think that's the real thing. And I don't give two shits what people think. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, he spent his whole, like, yeah, what I wanted to get to with him is, like, he spent his whole life, you know, playing roles, right? So right. for him, for him, this idea of ego is is a lot more fluid, I think. Right. There's something to that. Like, if I think one of the value of the sort of ego death experience is you sort of see your ego as more... Or something that you have a little more control over, I think, like crafting and and something that you have more control over in terms of like, well, what kind of what kind of ego do I actually want to like take out of my closet and and put on? Like, what what do I want? You know, like being a, being adjacent to to be like today. Um, and and so I was just watching this. Um, forget what the movie is called, but it's kind of like Trace it talking about. Um, uh, and and when Jim Carrey was kind of filming that and and just going way too deep into the role of Tony Clifton and yeah yeah all the, I, all this yeah I, I watched that Man on the Moon uh, documentary about Man on the Moon yeah 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 I saw that. and so but at the end a spoiler because it's like a documentary or whatever but <laughs> yeah. at, at at the end Jim Carrey's just kind of like looking at the camera and he says something along the lines of like you know if you can just like if you're not your ego, but you can just be whatever you want to be, Jesus. And it was just sort of like, and, it, and and you could hear that and you could see like, okay, this guy's like fucking lost it. And he's, and he's a narcissist and thinks he's Jesus. But like, I think what he was really saying is like any role, you know, then why not be the Buddha? Why not be Christ-like? Why not, right. you know, like, why not be compassionate? Why not be Fred Rogers? Like, why not embody that? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's powerful. 
But yeah, in the moment when I saw him say that, I was like, cuckoo. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, and who knows? Maybe it was maybe it was cuckoo, and I'm just projecting, <laughs> you know, trying to trying to be like, okay, like, no, I could see that. You know, like, this guy's but, one of my heroes. I don't want him to yeah. be crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, I think that's that's a beautiful way to think of it, and hopefully that's what he meant. I mean, uh take up take up your cross is what he's saying you know it's like you can you can be of a benefit to the world you can be uh helpful to other people or you can you know be selfish you can your ego can be totally self-centered and you know just pursuing your own desires or you, you could be beneficial to other people you know i think that's and i and i don't think that there's and there's no i mean i away from sort of spirituality was this over moralistic sort of like well because i am doing these things i am a better person and you know i don't think it needs any of that you just come to this realization that like oh actually like behaving in this way like feels better yeah you know and and then no one has to force you to do it through some threat of of hell or something like that i mean the hell is all self-created right you just know well, if I engage in these other behaviors, like I'm going to create a hell for myself. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to, I'm going to not do that. We want to talk about, you know, the moral, the moralistic part of that and uh, how much of it is actually just, you know, a part of your ego and propping that up. There was this one time, <laughs> there was this one time I saw this homeless man. I see him all the time. I still see him. I saw him yesterday, but like on my drive to work, there's this guy who's like walking down the sidewalk. He's pulling a cart, with all of his belongings. And uh, one day I saw him, and so I, I went, I stopped, and I got, uh, I got him a, a soda and a bag of chips, and I ran out, and I was like, hey, here, have this. And he's like, no, I don't want it. And I was like, really? And then I got in my car, and, like, the first thought in my head was like, fuck that guy. <laughs> <laughs> like, wait, was I, do, was I really doing it for him, or was that just something to make me feel better about myself, you know? Oh, sure. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's you know, and I think that's where – you know, um, you, you know, you talked about integration earlier and I, and you were having this, um, kind of almost traumatic, uh, bad time. And then you kind of integrated it and things improved. And mm-hmm. I think, um, one of the str- one of the biggest pieces of integration or, or things that then helps with even more integration is just, you know, it's, it's working on mindfulness and being, uh, being present to what's actually happening throughout the day and you're describing it's that mindfulness or that presence that's enabling you to notice, uh, Oh, okay. I, I try, I want to do this good deed, but now I'm making this about sort of bruised ego or whatever. And, you know, so many people just go through all these motions and they would do all these, you know, do things such and they would not notice, uh, Oh, driving me in this, in this situation, you know, and I, I think that's where a lot of the, the integration work comes in. It's just like, okay, now that you've gotten this sort of in, intense dose of all of this this different way that you could be or whatever, mm. now pay really close attention to all the ways that you're not doing that throughout the... And like, without judgment, no, you know, no self-judgment necessary, but just noticing. Yeah. Oh, you know, that's why I realize that every time this person talks, I kind of recoil inwardly like what's that about you know like why they didn't do anything to me like why do i have this aversion right. toward them you know yeah i think uh 
self-awareness is huge. And, you know, considering like the difference between me before and me now, uh, I mean, I'd almost say I had no self-awareness. And I wonder how many people actually are are in a place like that, like I was in, are just like not self-aware at all. Because I mean, it seems so night and day different for me now, like catching myself in the moment, uh, having thoughts or feelings and not understanding like, wait, where and like trying to figure out like, where's that coming from? Why is this? Mm-hmm. Whereas before, you know, they just happen and I never questioned it whatsoever. <laughs> it was like, yeah, you know, um, I think self-awareness is huge. Uh, and I just wonder, you know, if, if that's a, something that's missing in society at large, or if that was just a personal, uh, problem that I had. Yeah, I'm not, and I'm not sure. I mean, it definitely, it definitely seems to be a spectrum in terms of, of, of folks degree of it. And I don't know, I've always wondered that myself, you know, is it like a, you know, introversion, extroversion thing? Is it a, you know, does it have to do cultural things? Like, who knows, but clearly, but clearly, as you said, you know, this is, you know, psychedelic work is one way of, of increasing that, that capacity for self-awareness and, um, and, and mindfulness and just um, a lot more curious about, you know, just not, I think some of it is it just frees you up from believing, from, from believing those personal narratives so strongly that you can't get outside of them. Right. Um, it all come apart you kind of have a better sense of, oh, okay, like, so what I am than just this passing thought. Um, and and so, you know, what else is there besides just thought? I don't need to become just this one cuts me off in traffic. I don't need to be my anger, right. you know, that someone cut me off in traffic. I can be the thing watching my anger. Yeah. Traffic, traffic, is, you know. traffic is a perfect example of self-awareness. I mean, I don't think there's a better example because I used to just get so fucking mad <laughs> uh, for no reason. It's like, am I, have I been hurt? Am I going to be late? Like, what's going on here? Um, now I, I love, I love seeing other people's emotional reactions in traffic. It, it just like. Uh, it cracks me up <laughs> because it's like, oh, that was you. You you used to struggle with that. Um, but I also, uh, I, I'm a much more compassionate driver. I feel I give people, you know, I give people their space. Yeah, let people in, you know. I don't I don't flip people off anymore driving. <laughs> That's probably oh, the no. But to me, these days, one of the first indicators I have, if I'm kind of, you know, falling off the wagon, so to speak, or whatever, I'm not, you know, keeping up with my meditation enough, or or I have something something that I'm not dealing with, I need to deal with, is I start getting annoyed in traffic again. Right. Yeah. Oh, shit. You know, I know it's never about the traffic. (laughs) Right, right. Like, oh, it's just a convenient thing to focus that negative emotion on, you know? Yeah. Like oh here's something tangible. <laughs> I'm not gonna face my real problems, but uh, yeah, that that truck that just cut me off. What a piece of shit. <laughs> I was just I was just seeing I I don't remember it was a I don't remember who was Ajahn Chah or some other Buddhist teacher or another, but there's someone was talking about um, if you're annoyed in these sorts of situations, if you're annoyed 
you know, from traffic or you're annoyed from lines, you know, when you're out shopping or whatever, and imagine it from a bird's eye view, you know, like if you were a bird or a drone, and if you look down the situation, you know, you realize, like, people are trying to accomplish the same thing, and it's not, the narrative isn't centered around you as the main character, and everyone else is trying desperately to make your life harder, you know? Um, And just that sense of perspective, and I think that's what psychedelics, you know, they offer. They offer you some time with that perspective, and once you get that perspective, it's it's just kind of, I mean, some people do manage to go back to being complete assholes, but I, but I find that it's very, very, very challenging. Yes. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Uh, I think that perspective shift is important. And a lot, I mean, a lot of people just, you know, um, you can say, you could tell somebody to have that change of perspective like that teacher does, but you know, for some people that kind of stuff doesn't stick, you know, I might hear it and be like, yeah, that's a great message. But then, you know, 10 minutes later, I'm like getting pissed off because the line's long again. Um, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I think, you know, psychedelics for people who can't, you know, just uh, learn from things they hear. Psychedelics gives you that real, you know, hands on learning experience. But I think after taking psychedelics, I can I'm I'm better able to learn from things like that. It's just I had. I got some uh, practice first, and now it's like totally. okay, now that I know there's benefits to those messages, you know, maybe I'll take I'll take them a little bit more seriously. Totally, and I mean, I think you know, I'm definitely a I'm definitely a proponent, uh, you know, for myself and for even imagine what my meditation practice would be like if I hadn't of done psychedelics first. Like it's. It, it feels like it would be than it than it is for me now. Like a, a lot of it, you know, as I threw myself over the last year into kind of the core concepts of, of Buddhism and meditative practice, you know, they've been, been doing it for 10 years and, and they have their, some pretty fundamental questions and misunderstandings still. And I'm just sort of like a duck to water. Right. But it's not because I didn't, cause I'm starting from nothing and I just, and I just happen to be intuitively quote unquote good as if you could be good at meditating, but I just sort of intu- in- intuitively get it. But like I intuitively get it because I had all this psychedelic experience, you know, and throws you into that place. Um, and so I, I think for me, it's like once, and, and if anyone out there is, um, off by meditation or you know especially i think if you've done psychedelics but you've been put off by meditation just realizing like oh the point of this isn't to try to get myself to stop thinking it's to just be really really observant you know about what's going on with my present moment experience including the thinking but to be able to just be a witness to everything as opposed to right the feeling it's Um, like another sense it's a sensory you know, these thoughts go by, the bird chirps, the wind blows, you know, you just, exactly. you're a witness to all of it. And so I think, I think once, once I figured that out, it's sort of like, oh, I can do this. You know, this is just like sitting outside and watching a sunset or something. Right. And I mean, sometimes it can be very beautiful. I mean, there are times that it can be challenging, but 
many times you can you can gain a lot of insights it's i think it's it's a crazy realization when you're like wow i'm not my thoughts that's that is kind of mind blowing the first time you realize that like these things just keep on going and i can i can observe them or not it's not always like this active thing that I'm I'm just thinking these things they just kind of go by you know and sometimes you tune into them and sometimes you you ignore them exactly yeah, yeah. I mean that's a that's very it's very nice when like you said you can you can hear these things you can hear nice nice idea maybe in a stressful situation I'll I'll try that, but it's just, it can be a little hard to put it into, into practice at first. It's sort of like any new, and flexing a new muscle. If you haven't, if you haven't used it before, it's just a little bit um, clunky at first. And I, and so I think, you know, a lot of people start in on the meditation and they just sort of like, oh, okay, getting into the, that of, of trying to reside in a different sort of mode of awareness and, and they just kind of bail um like the for me if it wasn't for the 5meo dmt sort of taking me all the way to to i i think a, a similar place that a lot of people are, are going for with the meditative path at least if they're not if they're doing it in a spiritual sense and not sort of like the secular mindfulness so i just want to do better at my job sense right it wasn't for that I don't. I don't know as if I would be meditating every day. I mean, I needed. I really needed something to to show me, like, hey, this is a glimpse of what, and then I could go, oh, okay, cool. Like, right. Yeah, I'll I'll invest that. time in this. You know. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I probably wouldn't have done it either. Um. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely beneficial, though. I mean, I I definitely recommend med. I. <laughs> I have a more positive recommendation for meditation than I do psychedelics. I think psychedelics are great, but I don't think they're for everyone. But I think if you can get a little bit of mindfulness, it can go a long way, um, especially in this super fast-paced world uh, that basically just is just designed to make you anxious. <laughs> it's like uh, we're constantly, you know, constantly caught up in something. Uh, younger generations, I feel like, should could really really benefit from it too uh i mean i'm a, I'm younger but anyone my age or younger i feel like could really benefit from mindfulness because it's like it's so like it's so easy for us to be bored i don't think it's it's <laughs> you need to be able to be not doing anything and not feel you know bored i think uh, I, I go 60 seconds without you know something stimulating me and i'm all of a sudden i'm bored it's like you got to be able to t- uh, turn off from that constant need to be entertained. And it's really good to be able to just center and breathe and disconnect from, you know, all those uh, uh, needed stimuli. Just, you know, be it, be with yourself, be with your thoughts. And yeah, I mean, I think, I think like you said earlier, when, when you noticed that the TV, you know, was causing you, suffering that you were suffering i mean i think needing constant stimulation you know there's a suffering in that there's a suffering of the constant dissatisfaction of knowing that the second that you're even being stimulated you've moved on to like okay what's the next stimulation after this stimulation because now i'm bored of this stimulation you know 
there's a lot of suffering in that. So the ability to like stop doing that of craving and to just, like you said, just like be okay and be okay with just nothing happening and not being bored because like the fact that the like entire creation of the universe led to this moment where you're observing it, you know, it's, it's, right. <laughs> it's like you, you get back into this, like, okay, you got to see life through fresh eyes again. That's the way, that's the key to a lack of boredom, you know? Yeah. There's so much that you haven't seen or experienced. <laughs> and also just the fact that you're experiencing anything at all is, is fascinating. That's something to wrap your mind around. Like, trust me, nothing, experiencing nothing is a lot different than experiencing something. And I, yeah. I feel like if you were truly experiencing nothing, you'd be pretty bored. <laughs> yeah. It, sometimes you, there's this uh, kind of um, more Hindu interpretation of the cosmos and this idea of like Brahman and Atman and mm. this this idea that we're all, you know, kind of stations of sort of quote unquote God in, in, in some way. Yes. Um, the god the godhead whatever um and that the you know the universe goes through these cycles of sort of uh unity where there's just like the one consciousness and then this diversification into into form and it's fun to think about like well maybe the thing that instigates that is just boredom yeah it's just it's just you hang out there in unending bliss eternal bliss being like oh yeah source and then eventually, like, you know, let's play hide-and-seek with myself, and then just... Yeah. So... <laughs> because bl bliss becomes mundane without a little suffering, right? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's true. You gotta have perspective. Alright, well, I think we've come pretty close to the end here. Do you have anything you need to, you need to share before we wrap up? Um, I don't think so. I guess I would just say again, like, yeah, I have, um, you know, I, I've written about the... Uh, the ayahuasca experience. If you want to check that out, you can look uh, look me up on Medium. It's just Jason M. Um, or JM uh, Jason M. Glover .com If you want to check out some of my some of my writing, um, some some poetry also that's kind of been inspired by some of these experiences. So, for having me on. So yeah, make sure you go checking that out. I'll have all that information down in the description of this video as well. Uh, thanks a lot, man, for coming on. I really enjoyed this conversation. Yeah, it was super fun. Thanks.